0: Play a game. Is that a Unix book? Ah uh, ah uh, ah, uh. you didn't say the magic word. Ah ah ah. The files are in the computer? We're only using a simple polyphonetic, the group 20 square digit key transpose from booster phonic form with multiple nulls. After very careful consideration, sir, I've come to the conclusion that your new defense system sucked. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. So it's a code breaker. No. It's the codebreaker. All right. Welcome to the Cyber Tap. This is Matt. This is Mike. The very first episode. The beginning. I know this is exciting, Mike. We still have no idea what we're doing. But It's a work in progress. Yeah, but we have a great show lined up and we're going to keep bringing you these shows each week and I uh, hope you find them fun and informative. Yeah, why don't you give us a rundown on what we are expecting to talk about today. First segment, we're going to unpack the news. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the recent rash of home IoT, consumer-grade IoT attacks that we've seen. And then finally, in our feature, we're going to bring George Bailey in from CyberTap, and we're going to talk about the Purdue Cyber Range and cyber games that we play in some of our education services. Great. Let's kick it off. Yeah. So let's unpack the news. We have Mary in the studio with us today. Mary, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: Mary here. I'm currently a senior studying public relations at the best university the United States has to offer. Purdue in the beautiful city of Boiler West up. Lafayette.
0: <laughs> well, we're, this is a room full of Boilermakers, so uh, we, we, we obviously agree with you. So we're talking about this rash of home consumer-grade IoT devices that we've seen uh, a number of stories in the news lately describing them being attacked. So Mary, what have you seen in these news articles?
1: All right, let's just dive right in here. So the first article I saw was from Business Insider. Essentially, this couple got attacked through Google Nest. The attacker was heating up their home and talking to them through the device. Um, Some freaky stuff coming on from there, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, BuzzFeed was talking about how the ring got attacked. and, And these hackers are using this device to see into the homes of various individuals.
0: Yeah. So I saw a number of these articles as well. And uh, y- you're right. It's it's kind of freaky, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah. The, to Imagine coming home and having your house at 99 degrees like the couple from the Nest article from Business Insider.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not even coming home. I mean, these people are literally living on your wall like a fly. They're watching oh. your life and you don't even know they're there.
0: Yeah. So freaky.
2: Other than being just a general creep, you know, why do this? Are they are they trying to get nominated for like scumbag of the year awards for the dark web or, you know, do they just want to watch the world burn? You know, what's the motive here?
1: These guys are just bullying. It's kind of this trolling world people are obsessed over. There's maybe some soft attempt at extortion. Some may try to grab some. Slight cash out of the couple that they're harassing. Right. But essentially, it's just this trolling atmosphere that they're harassing these various individuals and manipulating them in this creepy kind of unconventional way.
2: So
0: how do they do this? I mean, how do they get to these devices? I mean that's kind of the the question that I think is probably going the most unanswered from a variety of these news sources. So I think that's probably something we should we should talk a little bit about because the the truth of the matter is these aren't really highly sophisticated attacks by the Hollywood type, you know, picture of a hacker that's hammering away at a keyboard doing something, you know, so nefarious. It's a lot more simple than that. So I think the the way to describe it or the the type of attack that is most prevalent here is what, what I think industry people call credential stuffing, which is just a fancy way of saying there's a process that is automated that checks known good combinations of username and passwords against a service. There's a breach somewhere in the world of a credential database that now bad guys or bad actors get a known good password. So your password and your email address. To whatever service it might be. They take those and then they write a small, simple program to check against the, you know, an API or the, the back end of a service to see if it matches. And that's exactly what happened with the ring um, attack. It was a credential stuffing and it was really strange because they're uh, was a group on a Discord, you know, the the chat service. I only know it for playing video games and things like that. I didn't realize there were hacker circles or mm-hmm. whatever that use Discord as well. But they were using Discord and they were sharing this uh, tool that they have and they live streamed some of these attacks on oh, the rings. Weird. Yeah, and so they, the, I, I saw a video. Uh, it was a small child in a room, and the the attacker was saying that. It's me, your best friend, and Santa Claus. I mean, it, that kind of creepy stuff. But all they did was use this very simple program that used this giant list. And then these are giant lists from these breaches. So I was looking at an article from Troy Hunt, who is, uh, I guess he's a, a security researcher, kind of a security evangelist out of Australia. He wrote a really interesting article about this where he talked about something called Collection 1. In collection one was this huge amount of passwords and email addresses from a, thousands of data breaches. And I looked at some of the numbers. There were 773 million unique email addresses in the, in this breach file. So that's twice the population of the United States. Wow. So that's everybody in the United States having two email addresses. Now, that's not what the breach was, right? This was global mm-hmm. breaches. So it wasn't just the U.S., but to give you an idea of scale. And there were 21 million unique passwords. So they take those combinations of known passwords and usernames and run it against the system. And then it just sends up a little flag, says, yep, that one worked. And now you have access to those people's cameras, their Nest devices, or whatever it may be. So what you're
2: saying is I need to change it from
0: One, two, three, four, five, right? (laughs) Yeah, using one, two, three, four, five. That's only what an idiot would use on their luggage. (laughs) Oh, boy. Spaceballs reference, everybody. Yeah, nerd Mm -hmm. alert over here. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, so you want, there's some things that you can certainly do to help protect yourself. Mary, I think you've seen some articles. What did the article say? Did you find any advice for people listening that, you know, just general good behavior they might be able to have to help fix this?
1: Right. So VMware Carbon Black's head security, our cybersecurity strategist, essentially came up with this list of seven simple tips to kind of keep your home uh, safe. I can kind of dive into yeah, some of what
0: you not you just read the list for us.
1: All right. So first we got check permissions upon installing a service, right? You see a screen yeah. that comes on your phone that says, yeah, if
0: you, if you have an app on your phone and it says, yeah. I want everything,
1: right. And you
0: better trust I mean, that app. And those right?
1: things have your location yeah. uh, and sometimes not even right. when you're using the app. So some of those things, I know it's so easy just to suppress. Okay. But you really have to see where you're giving your information to. Yeah, you're so.
0: right. right. Exactly.
1: And then we got keep an eye out for devices that are always on. So this is basically your Amazon Alexas, right? And things of that sort that are constantly hearing what you're saying. Um, You never know who was on the other side of that speaker, right?
0: Right. If it's always on, Mm -hmm. it means it's always on and potentially listening or doing something. Yeah. I know my my smartwatch will constantly say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. And I yell at it. I wasn't talking to you.
1: (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) And then we got maintain your devices. So essentially just keep that stuff up to date. Um,
0: Yeah, patching, right? So keep your software up to date because these security vulnerabilities, the companies are, for the most part, are trying to fix them. So patch them. Yeah, keep them up to date.
1: Yeah, no one wants to put uh, their consumers, um, I guess, up to being within this. at, at risk, right, yeah. Right. We have secure access. So essentially... Change your passwords yeah. here. Uh, I fall victim to this reusing, <laughs> maybe just adding an exclamation mark to the yeah. various password I use over right. and over again. But uh, yeah, well, let's let's change things up a bit there. Yeah, I think we that's have, a good idea. Yeah, separate our devices. So if you want to kind of touch base on this a little bit, but essentially... Um, Maintaining a dedicated IOT network to a specific.
0: So there's some, you know, most modern day home routers have the ability to set up guest networks or multiple, you know, broadcast multiple networks. And so the advice there, I think, from Carbon Black was let's not put everything on one network together. So if you have your home PCs and your your you know where your more sensitive data is, separate those from the light bulbs that you have that are really cool because you can change the hue and you can say, you know, hey Alexa drop it down five percent you know and then you can it'll be a little nice mood lighting for you or whatever really cool but that's an attack vector that's very easy to get through to get to more important stuff so yeah separate those things out it's not that difficult either
1: and then we have protect your devices so install antiviruses on your various things
0: yeah it sounds like the article that you're referencing here doesn't isn't you know, anything new, right? These no, are things it's mostly common sense. But unfortunately, I think we need to be reminded of this Oh, and sometimes. we need to
1: talk about it too, because if these attacks are keep happening, I mean, no one is putting this various safety steps, yeah. I guess, in place. I mean, your,
0: your privacy, right? In your home where you would expect privacy, your child's bedroom or in your living room. I think if you're going to put something out there, you really need to start thinking about the basics of cybersecurity. So I think one of the big things here we've learned is that password hygiene is probably critical. So if you are using the same password over and over again and it gets breached, it's very easy for someone out there to use that against you on other services that right. aren't related to the even the breach, right? So my fitness pal, I put a password into that thing. If it's the same thing that, and that was one of those breaches that shows up out there. If I put my password into that and I use the same password on my nest or my, My ring doorbell, then it's very easy for someone to compromise those things. So I think changing passwords, using different passwords is really important. Uh, Uh, Did did the article mention
2: how to remember those
0: fifteen different passwords? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. No, I mean that's that's, that actually is a good question. I think um, it is it is challenging when you have a number of passwords. I think there's some systems out there. Do a little Google search. I I use one that has a multi-stage password. I'm not going to give too much away though. Uh, No, I'm not going to give you Yeah. Now we know where
1: the weak link is at. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm not going to, I'm not going to give my, my secrets away, but there's a, there's also a lot of um, software and applications out there that help you to store passwords. So things like KeePass, and that's spelled K-E-E-P-A-S, not a sponsor. We don't have sponsors, we don't. but it's a, it's one that I've used in the past and it's a good one to store kind of your, mm-hmm. as a password safe. So there's some systems and things that you can do to help for sure. And I would recommend that if you're interested to know if you were compromised in any way, there's actually a, a good resource out there on the web. It's called. Have I been pwned? If you're not familiar with what pwned means, it means to be owned, but it was constantly being misspelled in the gaming culture. So it's pwned. Um, (laughs) You can go out there and check that out and you you can punch in your information. And uh, they'll, it'll tell you whether your, your email was part of a compromise. Recently, the it's the same guy that I mentioned earlier, Troy Hunt, that works on that. He brought in um, the passwords as well, separate from the email. So you can actually check some of your passwords to see if they've been part of the compromise. So I would encourage you to go out. Now, if you're a company looking to know if your users have good password hygiene and your employees have good password hygiene, if you want professional services they're available they can there are services out there in the world where companies will check your users passwords against known bad passwords and also compromised passwords and in fact CyberTap has some of those services so we would love to help your company if you're out there thinking man i really want to know do my people have good hygiene on their passwords so yeah well thanks mary for that story thanks mike i think that's an interesting topic it's one that we'll probably be talking about more in the future And now a word from our sponsors. Sponsors? (laughs) We don't have any sponsors. No, we don't have any sponsors. (laughs) So let's get to the feature. Let's roll right along. Well, today's feature is featuring George, and that's why he's here with us. So again, great to have you, George, to be with us today. We want to talk a little bit about some of the CyberTap educational services that we are offering. Specifically, I think we want to talk about the cyber range, maybe some of the more sporting type cyber activities we have. So we do you know, capture the flags or cyber games, anything like that. So George, why don't you just start by telling everyone a little bit about the Purdue Cyber Range at CyberTap? Well, thank you, Matt and Mike, for having me on the
2: episode today. So the Cyber Range, it is a simulated small business network, right? So everything that you would typically think to see or have in a small business network is in the range. So we have user segments with a variety of user-based operating systems, Ubuntu, Windows 7, Windows 10. Uh, there's server segments, there's web segments, there's DMZ segments. The interesting thing about the cyber range is that it's, it's chock full of open source and commercial tools.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting.
2: Uh, full, fully functional Active Directory environments with simulated users, simulated traffic. So even when we're not doing training, when the range is up and running, it's a it's a operating ecosystem. We've got people emailing each other. We have got people browsing, browsing the web. Uh, we've got attack generation. We've got traffic generation. So we can simulate real world traffic. We could simulate traffic that doesn't follow any sort of standard protocol that would either look suspicious or you know not following an rfc Uh, it's but it's packaged very nicely right so it okay it's not a data center it think of it as a data center in a box
0: okay great so roughly how many endpoints are we talking about you said small business network but in this simulated environment is it 10, 15, how many endpoints are we so talking So in
2: this particular IP network that we normally run, there's about 50 simulated hosts. And those hosts, again, are, in, are client endpoints, their servers, there's a variety of services, web services, DBA services, FTP, and then there's the typical monitoring services you would see in a SOC. Right? Typical small business networks wouldn't have a SOC, but this particular range does. So we have... You know, SNMP monitoring systems. We have a SIM. We have firewall monitoring. We have IPS. All of those generating logs it goes to a Syslog server. The Syslogs get forwarded to those variety of of console dashboards that you might see in a SOC.
0: That sounds pretty robust. That's pretty neat. It's really it. You know, it's it's
2: it's awesome when it works well. But then <laughs> when you have to troubleshoot, you're like, okay. It's troubleshooting a a, a, a a small business network, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. that makes it interesting. So why is this different, though? Or what makes the cyber range training different from your traditional training that you would see, you know, kind of textbook, virtual lab, you know, our traditional tech training? What's different about this one?
2: What's different about this particular training environment is it's live, right? So with the Active Directory environment, you can create new users. You can change user permissions. You can change passwords. Anything that you would do in your enterprise environment, you can do in this scenario. So in a typical training where the training provider gives you a a VM and, and it's maybe you have several VMs, you've got an attack VM, you've got a victim VM, and you have exercises that you work through, those are fairly static. If you don't follow the instructions precisely and you get a different outcome, you may miss the learning objective. Or in this environment, if you take a wrong action, you may shut down a segment of the network, which prevents you from investigating or furthering your uh, your training. Right. right. Whereas in, in – So there's
0: the, variables. So you're saying there's, kind of, there's a lot of variables. There's lots
2: of variables. Right. It's, so we have right. a training going on right. uh, at the moment, and uh, two teams, they're taking two different paths – but they're probably going to converge both at the
0: same finding. Right. So they could use different mechanisms, different tools to to do forensics analysis or to find root cause or whatever it might be, attack vector and but the, at the end of the day we're hoping doesn't matter what path as long as you get there. Now we could probably find some efficiencies and train on those. But it's an it's a real open world environment. It's like video games, right? Some video games have open world environments, so almost choose your own adventure. So it's in a way it's structured, but choose your own adventure. It's very right? much that way. That's it's interesting. Very much. And it can be highly coached
2: or we can just set you free on it and you stumble along your
0: way and, and create your own learning path. Interesting. So, uh, George, you're a security practitioner. So you spend time in the field. You have a team of security personnel that cybersecurity personnel that go out do professional services. Kind of from that point of view, what do you what? I guess what is your favorite feature of the the cyber range or these trainings as it relates to real life practice of cybersecurity?
2: I am a practitioner, and what, so what I like about the range is that the scenarios that we train against are plausible real-world scenarios. Right, so we're not we're not cooking up something that you would only see in the lab. Okay. Uh, if if you are training against, you know, how to identify, uh, eradicate, contain, and and remediate ransomware, it's real ransomware.
0: It's real ransomware. It's not a simulated ransomware attack. It's truly. Malicious
2: Correct. payload. So once we release it, if if the trainees do not clean it up, we have to revert because there's not an easy button to
0: clean right. it. Right, right. Interesting. So, um, I mean, that kind of leads me to my next question because if it's real and it's serious and it's a fairly robust system, who benefits from training like this? Who should be coming and doing training on the Purdue Cyber Range with CyberTap? Well, I, I want to say everybody, but the, the reality is
2: it, it helps that if if you have somewhat of an IT acumen, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be uh, a command line ninja, but you certainly need to be comfortable navigating operating systems, user interfaces. But that's pretty much anybody these days. So I would say, you know, boardrooms, if they want to not necessarily engage in the range to to solve technically a scenario, but if they want to understand how a particular response might happen, if they want to test a playbook, right? So if, they're, if you're a cyber leader, but you rarely touch a keyboard because you're, you know, you're working on mergers and acquisitions, uh, bring right. some of your playbooks to the range and we can help you understand how they might respond on your network.
0: So, you mentioned you don't have to be a command line ninja, but I kind of want to see a room full of regular ninjas <laughs> doing cyber training. That'd be cool. I mean, with their face masks, <laughs> they may not get full view of the screens. But yeah, I don't know how. Would... I mean, are they teenage and have been. <laughs> teenage mutant ninja turtles? No. We, those, we don't discriminate. Do we so have they those? can be turtles. Yeah, it could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. The range is available to anyone, which is perfect segue into my, I think, my last kind of question here, George. How can people get time on the range? So who's it available to? You kind of mentioned the target audience or kind of what they need to be to be successful, right? Or kind of background. Ideally, they- How do you you get time and and what do you do? So they can certainly visit our webpage, cybertap.purdue.edu. Cyber.tap, Uh, right? Cyber.tap.purdue.edu. Correct.
2: Very good. So you can go there as a starting point to get more information, the, the variety of scenarios that we might engage There's a form to fill out there. You can certainly, on that web page is all our contact information from your contact, Matt, mine, mine, uh, the rest of of the teams. You can reach out to anybody in the CyberTap team and and we will get in contact
0: with you fairly quickly. I guess that's true. We kind of put our phone numbers out there. We do, right? We might even answer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we want to hear from people, right? We accept
2: bribes too. So.
0: No, we definitely no, don't. We don't no, we, we don't definitely don't do that. <laughs> no, we might accept Bitcoin someday. But <laughs> someday. Do we have a wallet?
2: You probably have a wallet. I, I do have a wallet. And, <laughs> and I advocate that everyone has a wallet, whether they plan on, on ransoming themselves or just as a future contribution to their retirement.
0: Yeah. Producer Jim, he's got a he's got a wallet. That's has good. It? Well he, I he, bet bought he bought buys
2: all kinds of things. He's waiting for it to bounce back up a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's it's it almost hit what Bitcoin went over 10,000 this week, so I've been watching it closely. Yeah. Ideally, though, if you're going to train on the range, we'd like to see a small team.
0: Okay. Right? Yeah, so if, talk so if about come, that. What size team? If you team? come
2: as a, as a solo participant, um, we, we would likely pair you up with another team okay. or, or a small group because training on the range is more than just learning certain command sequences or learning uh, an interface of a security tool. Teamwork and collaboration, if you cannot communicate Teams will not be successful. Right. right. So that's another skill set that you don't typically get in other standard security trainings because they drop ship you the books. Maybe it's an on-demand where you're viewing right. uh, the material via video feed, but you don't necessarily have a colleague that's, hey, I'm seeing this. This does not look right. Have you seen this before? And it's that interaction. It's that collaboration that really, you can see the light bulbs clicking in students. Right.
0: So in addition to... What we do on the range in this robust simulated environment, we we do some sporting type events, right? So we've run some soccer thons We have a cyber games as part of our other offerings as well. And we have the ability to do war gaming, like red versus blue. So just touch on a little bit of what we're doing in that space, too. So if, if you want the sport of cybersecurity, we can help with that, too, right? We do, right? So the range has a number of... Opportunities.
2: There's blue training, so if you want to train as a defender, we have those capabilities. If you want to brush up on your offensive security skills, so you want to become that penetration tester, but you don't necessarily have a robust lab that you can try a, a, a number of compromise. Mean, you don't have a fully functional active directory environment that right. you can compromise, but you can come and we can we can set up the range so that you are the attacker. And then there's cyber wars where we have. Uh, real life blue people and real life red people and and the blues are defending the environment and the reds are trying to attack right so we can do that in the range as well awesome. it's a much smaller capacity right sure. uh, and it, and it ideally we would have teams that are that don't know each other okay right it, it really pushes their capabilities because if you if you come and you do a cyber wars with your teammates you may already know their tails yeah right? so right. you may know their tactics and you know how they're going to defend things so ideally we would set you up with Folks that you have never worked with before to really test your capabilities. Some of the other things that we've done and, and that we continue to do and like doing is is uh, capture the flag type activities. It's not truly a capture the flag, so we call it cyber games. And what we have is we've got a small collection of consumer grade IoT, you know, your Google Assistants and your Alexas and light bulbs and smart plugs and a variety of hosts mm-hmm, that, that mm-hmm. you know participants first. We don't give them access to the network. So the first thing they have to do is compromise the network network to get on so they can see the devices that they have to compromise. And the goal would be to change the color of certain light bulbs. Some of them are set very easily. Right. You could go over to Alexa, and if you can figure out what the... Well,
0: don't give all the tips away, George. Right. I mean, we could Thank have you. listeners here. Jeez, yeah. you are going too far. But, but yeah, so there's a number of ways So any to of you that, that are in awesome. our ACE class, you should, uh, you should definitely listen to this, right? So our Applied Cybersecurity Essentials, George was just about to give you, I think, attack vector one
2: <laughs> for the um, light bulb. So there's logical ways to compromise. There's physical ways, the variety. We try to cover most vectors of compromise.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think uh, I've seen we hide traffic, we hide clues, kind of have a, a it's a very game like feel. So I yeah, think it's so a you can either
2: exploit the devices directly if you're at that level and that expertise, or you attack the environment they're in, and you might capture network traffic, and you might identify something that gives you a, a clue on how to further
0: yep. yep. Well, again, all of our information is out there. We have a website, cyber.tap.purdue.edu. Reach out to us if you're interested in training on the range, doing cyber games, learning more about our offerings. And, uh, you know, thanks, George, for for joining, talking about this. I think it's an exciting service that we offer and I uh, hope you guys found it interesting and that you'll take us up on our offer to come and, and kind of play on our range. Thanks again, George. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, that's it, Mike. That's episode one. That's all she wrote. Then the books. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, you can subscribe. Or like. Yeah, give us a review uh, if you want to reach out. Or ignore. Or ignore us. Yeah, if you didn't like it, just leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can also reach out to us, and we want to hear from you all what, uh, you know, what you liked about the show, what you'd like to hear in upcoming episodes. And you can reach us on our email address, cybertappodcast at purdue.edu. That's the one. Thanks for remembering it this time. I can never remember that thing. (laughs) All right, cybertappodcast at purdue.edu.